Welcome to the podcast of Grace Covenant Church, where we are transformed by God's grace, connected through relationships, and committed to service. We're here to celebrate the birth of the single most important person that has ever lived, Jesus the Christ. This one man, this one man has had an influence on every single continent, nearly every culture, every tribe, every language. And he lived a rather ordinary life. He made extraordinary claims and he backed those claims up with miracles and proofs. Uh, he, he, he is so influential that you, you can't pull up the date on your phone without it saying, what, December 24th, 2016. What, is, what does that mean, 2016? It means 2016 years since the birth of Jesus. And if you could take a time machine back uh, 20 centuries ago, I think you'd be hard-pressed to be able to predict the story of these rather poor young teenagers who are with child in almost a forgotten little town in a part of the world that no one really stopped at. They used it to get from one important place to another important place. No one really cared that much about Israel. And... um, what, a couple, few hundred people met him, a few thousand people even heard his name. He, he never traveled outside of his little region. I think, you know, like probably 150 miles is about the distance he went from top to bottom from north to south in his whole life. He didn't write a book. He wasn't a big politician with power. He didn't lead an army. I don't... We don't think he even had a house as an adult. He didn't have a home. He was somewhat of a nomad on purpose, you know, on, he was determined. And yet for 20 centuries now, for 20 centuries, this one man, Jesus the Christ, his his intellect has inspired the, the, the beginnings of more universities than any other human being. Universities like Oxford and Cambridge and Harvard and Yale. The compassion of Jesus Christ has motivated more hospitals to be built around the world than any other person, and charities to be initiated. He um, is the subject of more books than anyone else has written about. The best art, the best music is usually a story about what Jesus might have done. This one man, this one man has had so much power and influence. So much so that even his method of execution, okay, the Roman cross, an icon that was famous in the day, but it was, it was a symbol of shame and, and suffering. And Jesus, this one man, single-handedly changed the meaning of that cross. And now the cross is the single most recognized icon in the world, and he changed it from suffering and sorrow and humiliation to hope and to joy. And it's because of him that people have for hundreds, thousands of years being willing to sacrifice, sacrifice their income, right? The the things they possess. Some many millions of people have sacrificed their safety. Others have sacrificed their very lives for this Jesus. Why? I mean, why? Why? Would so many people 
over, in a planet just filled with different cultures and different epics surrender their lives to the, him and be transformed by him because what happened in Bethlehem was not a human event. It was, it was heaven touching earth. It was God injecting himself in a world that desperately needed a savior. He was born to be our savior. There is a longing within our souls that longs for so much more to life. Our flesh is temporal, and you would think it would be adequate to receive all sorts of temporal experiences, whether they're right experiences themselves or the accumulation of fun and temporal things, but yet our souls, they keep longing for something else because our souls are eternal, and this flesh is so transitory. There's something within our inner parts that says, this place is broken. We know that. And it has to get fixed. And we can't. We can't fix this. But we long for it to be fixed, right? Don't we want something to happen? Even in the context of suffering and evil, we know, again, in the deepest recesses of the eternal aspect of our nature that there should be justice. There must be justice, and Jesus is about justice. God sent his son so that things would be made right. You see, we have these, we have these longings, and the longings are for something more, something that's not from here. It's from heaven. It's when heaven comes to earth. That's what the story is about. That's the Christmas story, and people with guilt, and we all should have guilt about the things that we have not done and should have done, the things that we did do and we should not have done. And we know there's an indebtedness to, to be paid. There's, 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 <laughs> there's that, that blood that can't be washed off our hands, right? And there's, there's nothing that the psychiatrist can give us or, or books to be written or seminars to be exposed to that can relinquish us from this moral debt that we have. But God says, wait, I, I can do this. If heaven comes to earth, if heaven comes to earth, Jesus is sent as a savior to pay this debt that we have. And so Jesus says this. He says, I have no sin, but I will be sin on your behalf so that you can inherit my righteousness as I inherit your sin. No man no woman, no religious leader, no religious organization has ever promised that. No one has ever said anything like that. I am sinless and will take your sin on your, on your behalf. I'll take that. No man's ever done that. And so anyone looking, anyone with guilt, and you're looking for forgiveness, you want innocence back. It is not a dream. It's not beyond your grasp. It is a Achievable when heaven comes to earth. Some people are stuck and they long and they seek for change. Can a person really change? I mean, the soul of a person, the essence of a person, can that really change or is it just the conduct of a human that can change? Right, can a, uh, a person bent on anxiety and fear, can they ever be at peace? Can they ever be tranquil? Can a perfectionist ever be grateful? And we wonder, and then God says, oh, yes, yeah, you know, 
Oh, we can have that. But heaven will have to come down. Heaven will have to be contained with earth, and it will come in the form of Jesus, who comes to give us power. He comes to give us power. There's a passage in the book called Romans that says, don't you know that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead dwells inside your soul? No one has ever promised the power for intrinsic change, a change that happens from the inside of the soul, and it's restored and made new again, and it gives out the power to alter your values and your conduct. No one's ever promised that. And so people that are stuck, people that want to see real change and they long for that, there's an answer, and it's in Bethlehem. It's when God comes to earth. Other people, they're they're discouraged, and they're looking for hope. They're longing for a bedrock hope, not hope for something that's next or something that might satisfy. But all of us, if we slow down and we think long enough, we'll realize that there is no bedrock hope in this life. It'll happen to many of us where we're going to realize that we need something from the outside to build our lives on foundational hope, things that cannot be altered, cannot be changed, and you, you will not let go of this thing. If anybody here is looking for that kind of hope, God says, I can make that happen. He says yes to that desire, and he says it comes in the life of Jesus Christ. Where th- that, that hope is found uh, on Resurrection Sunday in an empty tomb, and when that, when that stone was rolled away, you know what else was rolled away with that? Death sorrow, deep grief, because Jesus said this to a tomb that was inhabited by one of his friends. For three days, he'd already been dead, and Jesus walks up to that tomb and says this to death. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me will have eternal life even though they die. No one has said anything like that. No one has promised anything remotely similar to that. That's bedrock hope. When we were in the Holy Land just this last month, uh, my wife Melinda, when we got to the empty tomb and then we had our communion there, she came unraveled. She She was weeping. It looked bitterly, but it was for joy because she remembered when her father died, she was there at the at the bedside and how joyous that was and she had just returned from an empty tomb and she knew that that was just flesh that left because his soul was eternal because Jesus made a promise and he proved it to be true on Resurrection Sunday. Bedrock, bedrock hope. Anybody discouraged looking for something like that? Because Christmas is, is, is about that. It's about fulfilling the needs that we long for, those things that we can't have here. They have to be imported from heaven. I think another reason that Jesus is unique as opposed to some of these longings that we have is he's unique in that um, his presence forces a decision. You You cannot be passive with Jesus. If you just look at his life, he just confronts 
almost everyone he encounters. And he says, what will it be? Will it be yes or no? Life or death? What, you can't remain neutral with this man, this most influential man that's ever existed. And so he, he bombards people's lives. And, the, the, and listen, the Christmas story is about this. It's about this choice that he confronts us with, this yes or no. It's, it's not about beautiful trees and wonderful music and some very good food and some company that we miss. It's about this. He makes us have a choice. No, he makes us have the choice. Will you be part of his story? Yes or no? And look how the story has unfolded just in our evening together. Jesus comes to Mary and says, would you? Would you like to be part of my story? And Mary bows on her knees and says, could I? Could I? I just need your reputation and your life. You can have that. Joseph is on his way out the door. He doesn't understand what's happening. And so God intervenes and interrupts him and says, would you like to be part of my story? And Joseph says, could I? Yes, you can. You're going to be on the run for a while. It'll be dangerous. And Joseph says, I just want to be part of that story. He goes to Herod. Herod, Herod says, uh, it is my nature to be evil in every context you could possibly imagine. I would play the villain. God said, I've got that part open for you. You can play that part. He does it to the shepherds. They don't have to go to Bethlehem, but they do because they want to be part of his story. That's, that's the invitations just in his birth, right? Yes or no. And if you look at his, his ministry as an adult, everywhere he goes, he goes to the disciples. And every one of the disciples is an expression of people saying yes. Will you follow me? Will you leave your nets? Yes. Will you leave your tax, you know, your income stream there, Matthew? Yes. They follow him. He goes to the crowds. He says the same thing. He goes to, uh, well, actually, uh, a young, rather wealthy and powerful person comes to him and says, hey, what does it take to have eternal life? And Jesus says, you need to follow me. You want to be part of my story? Jesus is pleading with him. All you're going to lose is temporal things anyway for the eternal. And the young man said, no, I want to write my own story. He says it to everyone. He gave the invitation to all the sinners and all the religious leaders. Everywhere he went, he said, what will it be, yes or no? The last scene of his life. Literally, the last scene of his life. Think through this and how he confronts us with this decision. He is being crucified with two different men, and one man says no. He mocks Jesus. And the other man, at his right, says, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm always dumbfounded by this man that's, that's being crucified next to Jesus, and he's, he's mocking the mocker and saying, hey, at least we deserve what we have coming to us. Jesus, will you remember me when you enter your kingdom? I don't think anyone on that hill had a greater sense of faith than this man being crucified for Jesus because he's looking at a man soon to die. And he says, you look like a king to me. I'd like to be part of that kingdom. Is it too late for me to say yes? Jesus says, it's never too late. This very day. I will see you in my kingdom. 
He's, 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 in the, he's just always pushing that. What will, it, what will it be? What will you do with this man, this Jesus of Nazareth, this Bethlehem baby, this, this expression of God coming to earth? What will you do? Not historically, what will you do? Let's, let's do what Jesus does. Like, let's push this tonight. What are you going to do on this Christmas Eve? Yes or no? Let me, let me just, I think Jesus, might, his persona, his, his, his identity would be pushing at least a, a few things on us. For some of you, um, you need to say yes or no to just seeking spiritual truth. Right? I mean, you're, you're, we would say I'm not a very spiritual person. I don't consider my soul to be a priority, not much of a church guy. And so I think this, this, this learning time comes to you and says, what are you going to do next year? What are you going to do in 2017? Yes or no? And, and I, I think Jesus' nature is coming and saying, listen, you've given a great deal of attention to probably, you know, your career and maybe people that you love, maybe your future in some context. But Jesus is saying, look, I, I'm moving from the back burner to the front burner. Yes or no? I'm gonna, he's asking you to make a decision that you make your soul more important than any other aspect of your life and that you'd be willing to look into and investigate the claims of Jesus, the historical facts about Jesus, have conversations of, in philosophical natures that are, that are plaguing you about the truth of Jesus Christ. But you're going to say, listen, I'm not going to put this over here anymore. I'm going to put it front and center. Here's the question. Yes or no? Start seeking. If you want to put yes, I, mean, we, I think you have a handout. Put it in your notes. Put yes. I'm going to start seeking. Church is going to be more than a one-time event for me. Some of you probably need to make a decision, yes or no, to decide. You've been seeking. And you know what's fun about seeking? It's safe. You, you know, you're accumulating data, right? You're kind of learning some things, reading some books. And the safety in seeking is it has no real cost. Because once you decide, you have to live with those decisions. And the decisions about Jesus, they have consequence. And so I think Jesus is, might be coming to you this evening and saying, okay, it's time for the jury to come back. Will it be yes or no? You don't have to wait for every question to get an answer. I think there's a point where you just have to say it's time to decide, yes or no. I will no longer be running from God. I will no longer be trying to attain my own salvation. I will receive it as a gift that grace will transform me, not merit, not discipline. I want to decide that he will be both my savior and my king, and I'll do what the king says. Yes or no? Yes or no? I think there's still a third type of person that might be here today that's being confronted by the nature of Jesus Christ. And that's the person that needs to answer the question yes or no about recommitting to him. Because there's a lot of people here that have a great story of seeking and then of committing and having an experience with Christ that was somewhat fantastic, almost phenomenal. And then... Sometimes it's life, you know, sometimes just life, the thorns and the weeds of life can track you down and they just get tangled around other priorities. Sometimes uh, it is a need to be safe. 
And, and here's why I say that, because Jesus never called us to be safe. Now, he never promised us that. He promised us so much more than safe. If you listen to the claims of Jesus Christ, he'll say, here's it in a nutshell, it's a sentence. He said, I came, not that you'd have safety. He said, I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. He said, I came that you would have an adventure. I claim that you would, came that you would not be bored, so let's go. And so this is a decision that says, you know what? It was fun at the beginning, but I just wanted to continue to make choices so that all of my bases would stay covered. And Jesus is like, that is not the adventure I have for you. He wants to take you to places that cause you to be generous beyond your imagination, that would cause you to be forgiving in ways that you never thought were possible. He's going to ask you to be bold or quiet, whichever is the opposite of you. He's going to make you the way you were meant to be. It will not be comfortable. It will be a thrill ride. He is calling everyone to do that. Nobody coasts in the Christian life. If you're coasting, that's not the Christian life. <laughs> so how about this? The adventure. The adventure called lordship. The adventure called following Jesus. Where he leads you follow. Yes or no? Yes or no? That's, that's what Jesus does. He just, like, let's talk it out and let's make a decision. Do you want the adventure? Here's what I want you to think about. Consider saying yes. You know what? Consider saying yes or no. Just make a decision. Don't be passive about it anymore. Start your seeking or don't, but say it out loud. Write it down on a sheet of paper. Right? Make a decision of recommittal or make a decision to decide, but just make a decision. And on this day, Christmas Eve, 2016, you make that decision and you stay with that decision. And 2017 will be a dedication to this end that you said yes and you live with yes. You chose to follow and now you're following. You chose to decide. You chose to seek. That's what I'm asking everyone to do this Christmas Eve. Okay? Let's pray to that end. Lord Jesus, we do. Uh, <laughs> that little town of Bethlehem, where heaven met earth, where the love of God kissed this planet and made it well. He began a new thing, a new song, a new life for this planet and for everyone who chooses to believe in you. And so, Lord, I'd ask right now that you would cause us to say yes, for some to just start seeking, to get serious about things that are everlasting, others that they would decide to stop seeking and start, just get on, just receive that grace of God. And still others, that they would confess that they're trying to live safe and secure lives instead of the adventure that you have for them. Lord, I'd ask that this day, Christmas Eve, 2,016 years after the, your, the birth of your son, when heaven came to earth, that we said yes. We pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. For more information about grace, visit our website at grace360.org.